Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the We Tackle Life podcast. We being you and me, I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to be with you here on Wednesday, January the 20th, Inauguration Day in Washington, the day after Ohio State loses a heartbreaker near the buzzer, not at the buzzer, to Purdue. Ah, that was a kick in the groin or other places. Um, but a kick in the groin is bad enough, right? And we will reflect on that defeat, on the Buckeye decisions regarding the NFL on the football team. And I'm excited about the faith portion of the podcast today. So let's jump right into it by thanking our first sponsor, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Your chance to get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE when you order from our friends Paul, Grace, and Andy and their beautiful facility in Mechanicsburg, Ohio. It's not big. They'd love to have you stop by and... Uh, get a coffee. They are awesome baristas, but their ministry is, of course, the thing that excites me most and them most because they get the chance to partner with coffee growers around the world, help those growers, help those local communities, and then bring the best coffee that you'll ever taste right to your doorstep. Hunter's Blend, House Blend, many different blends, flavored coffees, roast coffee, whole bean, however you want it, K-Cups, yes, you can get it from HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. And when you order online and use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps, you get 15% off. All right, let's start with news of the morning. Philip Rivers retiring with the Indianapolis Colts, but he's always going to be not even an L.A. Charger. He's always going to be a San Diego Charger. And the signature, I think, moment of Philip Rivers' career was when he played in the AFC Championship game against the New England Patriots in New England six days, six days after having a ruptured Achilles tendon removed from his knee. <coughs> Excuse me. I liked Phillip Rivers. I liked him when he was at North Carolina State, came into Ohio Stadium, took the Buckeyes into overtime. I just thought he was um, a competitor. That's the word I would use to describe Phillip Rivers. And he's never been shy about sharing his faith. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, he's chippy and he's always talking trash and he's always doing that. That's true. That is true. But as I watched the highlight on the Los Angeles Chargers uh, official Twitter site, they interviewed Sean Merriman, they interviewed Von Miller and uh, someone else, uh, an Olympic skier or something, fan of the Chargers. Sean Merriman said he could never get Philip Rivers to swear. And I just think that's perfect for somebody who wants to put their faith out there but is so um, impacted by it that they don't have a separate persona for when they're around certain people. I, I can't say that about myself. Uh, Chris would tell you he can't say that about himself. Uh, Chris called me the other day and said he has a fine jar in his uh, condo because when he's in NFL circles and talking NFL, uh, his and I'm not, I'm not informing on him. He's said this on the podcast many times that his language has a tendency to get away from him. Mine gets away from me, and Philip Rivers never did. Uh, so I just think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Uh, 421 career touchdown passes, 63,000 passing yards, five number five on the all-time passing list. He played 240 consecutive games in the NFL, second only to Brett Favre at 297. So Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer, maybe not a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I know he never got his team to the Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. He got him to the playoffs seven times. So I think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. So congrats to Philip Rivers. Uh, the NFL will miss you, but there'll be a lot of young men and women 
at the uh, parochial school in Alabama where he's uh, already been named a head football coach. Not just today. That was already in the works ahead of time. Whenever he retired, he was going to be the head football coach there. He has, uh, I don't know how many children, but he's got enough children that people make fun of how many children he has. Um, and his oldest is seventh grader. So that young man will get a chance to play quarterback for his father. And I've seen pictures and video of his son throwing, and he throws it just like Philip, you know, kind of down here, kind of crazy launch angle. But I'm a Philip Rivers fan, so I put you through my two-minute tribute to Philip Rivers. Okay, that's a more pleasant topic than talking about Ohio State's 67-65 loss to Purdue last night. Oh, man, you know, you could see this coming <clears throat> throughout the game. They're up 11 late in the first half, less than three minutes to go, and they went empty on five straight possessions. Purdue has beaten Ohio State twice, and that is egregious. Okay, Now, the first time at Purdue, Ohio State didn't have E.J. Liddell, so now they have E.J. Liddell, and you're thinking, all right, they're going to win this game, no problem. Well, they couldn't get the ball into E.J. Liddell, and Ohio State fell in love with the three-pointer because they had some success early. They started really hot in the first half. They were over, I think they were around 50% in the first half. Dwayne Washington was hot. Justin Arns was hot. And Purdue didn't guard the three-point line all the time. And the Buckeyes will hopefully learn before they play Saturday at Wisconsin that an open shot is not necessarily a good shot. Depends whose hands the ball's in. Depends where the shot clock is. Depends what else is out there. If you work, maybe you can get a better shot. And the Buckeyes fell in love with the three. So 11-point lead, three minutes to go in the first half. Five empty possessions, a turnover, and two threes. Now, Washington had one of the threes, and you think, well, it's a good three. Not necessarily. Dwayne Washington is, first of all, I will acknowledge they asked Dwayne Washington to do a lot with C.J. Walker, Abel Porter, Jimmy Soto's out. But Dwayne Washington said after the game, and I was so heartened to hear him say this, said, you know, we got to learn what's a good shot, and I need to learn that. Because here's what happens. Dwayne Washington makes a ridiculous step back through the legs, shimmy shake three-pointer. And you go, holy smokes, how do you stop that? Well, you can't. It's great defense, but he's just sometimes better than the defender. But... The problem with him hitting one of those is almost every single time it leads to three or four other instances in the game where he takes an ill-advised shot or he's working to get a shot and he turns it over. And that happened last night. And it happens almost every single time. And so he will take the next step as a player, and he recognizes this. He spoke about it. He will take the next step as a player when he has the discipline to not allow his success to breed failure in other areas of the game. So OSU has the lead at halftime by six instead of by double figures. And then they get into the second half, and they're not as hot, but they're still ahead. They're up seven, 12 minutes to go, and they go on a horrendous stretch of 10 possessions where all they got were two free throws. Now, Purdue's not a super offensive team. So they still were, you know, Purdue didn't score like a 15-0 run and put Ohio State down by eight, but Purdue did get the lead by one, then Seth Towns hit a three. But then it seesawed from there. And Ohio State shot the lead back up to five. They had a five-point lead with two minutes to go. They got a really fortunate possession where Liddell hit a free throw. That put him up two. He missed the second. Kyle Young got a rebound. He kicked it out to Justin Arns. Arns hit the three. They're up five. In a minute, the lead's gone. In a minute, the lead's gone. Purdue comes down, hits a two. Ohio State comes down, shot clock violation. 
Couldn't get a shot. Then they go down to the other end. Now, this is the one place where I'll absolve Ohio State because nobody's ever going to make me believe that that kid from Purdue who hit the tying three with a minute to go, even the Golden State Warriors thought that was a moving pick that they set on Justin Arns. How can the Big Ten official, right on the baseline, right where the screen is, see a guy from Purdue screen Justin Arns in the lane and walk all the way out to the left wing? Justin Arns made a big roundabout like attempt to get to the three-point shooter. He was never getting to that three-point shooter because his screener kept moving. Even Draymond Green thought that was a moving screen. So that's a bad missed call. <laughs> Welcome to Big Ten officiating. And it's tied. <clears throat> and from there, you know, it deteriorated into a situation where, again, Ohio State struggled to get a shot. And they poked the ball away from Liddell in the low post. Arns gets it on the wing. Shot clock's expiring. He's got to shoot it. Same kid who poked it away, Travion Williams, goes out and blocks Arns' shot or deflects it. Scrum for the rebound in the air. It goes off either Liddell or Kyle Young. It was the right call. Purdue gets it, comes down. And I knew somebody's going to hit. They're, they're done. They're toast. I texted a friend of mine. I said, they're toast. It's a tie game. But the game was not lost on Jaden Ivey's three-pointer with five seconds to go. The game was lost late in the first half and in that like interminable 10-possession stretch in the second half where they just goofed around and got lazy. And, oh, this is, oh, well, look, it's an open shot. And Chris Holtman said after the game, you know, we got to be tougher to get it into the low post. We took too many threes. They took, uh, I think it was 18 twos and 35 threes. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I mean, it's just, I can't think of another word. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous to do that. I've said it four times. It must be true. Um, So there you go. Um, They lose to Purdue, which is that's hard to get over. You know, they always got the 24-hour rule. Hey, 24 hours. We celebrate or we bemoan our loss for 24 hours, and then we move on. I'm still trying to get over the loss at Northwestern, where we blew a five-point lead in the last three minutes. And this one will aggravate me at the end of the year. So they're 5-4 and four in the Big Ten, and you think, well, they beat Rutgers, and you didn't expect that. And really, they stole two from Rutgers. Rutgers feels about Ohio State the way Ohio State should feel about Purdue. They're better than them, but we haven't beaten them in two tries. Well, actually, they're, Rutgers shouldn't think they're better than Ohio State after that game of Piscataway because Rutgers was, like, absolutely dominated in that game. Purdue's never dominated Ohio State. But E.J. Liddell took three threes and four twos. I mean, I know Purdue's big, but that's, what did I say? Ridiculous? Yes. Again, I'll go to that word. Kyle Young. Kyle Young, who shoots, what, at best 20% from three? I think I'm flattering Kyle Young to call him a 20% three-point shooter. Took three threes. Kyle. Musa Jallo. Hear me, please. When you are wide open from the three-point line, there's a reason for that. And the reason is not because the other team had a defensive breakdown. The reason is because, are you ready? They want you to shoot. Oh. Musa Jallo's three from the left corner. I don't know what happened there. <clears throat> but it's hard to miss a shot by more than that. Musa Jallo, don't shoot any more threes. Kyle, please, no more threes, okay? 
So I'm salty about that loss last night. And um, and the Buckeyes should be salty about that loss. They should have a hard time getting over that loss. And now we get the joy of going up to the Kohl Center in Wisconsin where they play just tremendous defense. A little bit like, not not exactly like, the manner is not exactly like Georgetown in the John Thompson days when they just like took a hatchet to you every single time. And the officials were like, well, I can't call, I can't call 75 fouls in a game. Why not? It's a foul, call it. But instead, Georgetown would foul you 75 times. They'd get called for 30. So 45 times, you'd get knocked off where you wanted to be. And that's why Georgetown was good, contributed to their being good. Wisconsin, they play defense differently. It's not as overt. But last year, you'll recall, Ohio State played West Virginia and Wisconsin back-to-back after an 11-0 start. And they struggled for more than a month to get their offensive rhythm back. Wisconsin is just that kind of team. They're like a backache to your offense. They linger forever. They're like back spasms to your offense. And after Purdue, I just, man, this is going to be a nasty week because I can't see, I feel less optimistic about Ohio State winning at Wisconsin than I did them winning at Rutgers for sure. No, actually, I would have thought Illinois just had so much talent that I didn't think Ohio State could win at Illinois, but they did. So as long as Holtman's coaching, we got a chance. But I'm struggling to process how we gave that game away last night. Okay, Buckeye football. <clears throat> First, a reminder. If you ever need an attorney, that's a lousy time to look for an attorney. <laughs> it just is. Ah, I need one right now. I don't need one now. I need one right now. Well, now would be the time to resolve that Willis Spangler Starling is going to be that firm. I plant this seed with you because... When you have a legal situation in your life, you get in an accident, it's your fault or it's someone else's fault, you have an injury at work, and all of a sudden you want what is correct, but you have no clue. You go to a workers' compensation hearing and the employer is sitting across from you, and you're like, wait a minute, like I don't think I'm really prepared for this. I wished I had an attorney here. Probate situation, uh, a will. You do not allow the state, I'm not trying to be, you know, like the state's the big evil empire, but you don't want to let the state decide where your kids go, where your stuff goes. You've got to have a will. All those kinds of things. Right now is the time to form in your mind and plant this seed that, hey, when that happens, it's going to be Willis Spangler Starling. That's Bruce's attorney firm. The thing about Willis attorneys, they have a commitment to not ever having a routine case. I've talked to him about this. I said, you know, you guys understand, when somebody walks through that door over there, it's the biggest thing in their life. It's their legal Super Bowl. And you guys can't ever treat any legal situation as a regular season game. And they're like, oh, look, come here. So we go and we look at their mission statement. (laughs) That mindset is there. Compassion, empathy, understanding, attention to detail. So that's why Willis attorneys are my attorneys, because I know them and I know that their expertise in the law is their way to serve others, and they all view it that way. So remember that name. They're on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, and they do a a lot of their cases, most of their cases, in fact, flat fee. So you don't have to worry on many things about billable hours, or they'll do contingency. But they're not, you know, these guys that advertise on TV. And, you know, the weird thing about when you're ever in an accident, 
all of a sudden you'll be the most popular kid in class. You'll get all these letters from all these attorney firms. Heaven forbid you go that route because you're going to get taken. And what do they want to do? They want to send you a letter. They want to take your case. They want to settle it real quick. And then boom, chuckalaka, they're out the door and they've got their big fat share of a settlement that's not as good as it could have been. So don't do that. Don't get solicited by mail. Willis Spangler Starling, Willis Spangler Starling. Online, willisattorneys.com. Okay. I want to thank George, who sent a very nice note and a very nice gift uh, to Chris and I. This is really cool. Thank you, George. I'm going to wear this ASAP. It's a cross with the American flag on it. You can't really see it too too good there. Maybe there, there you can. There, I'll turn it that way. Everything's opposite when you're turning it. So that's very nice, George. Thank you. And he sent a very nice note, so I'll share that with you. I hope you both have a healthy, happy new year. Thank you very much for your analytical insights and, and words of wisdom during all your Spielman and Hooley podcasts. The podcast definitely came through as a labor of love and a sincere testimony of your Christian faith. Let's hope so. Thank you. That's our goal. And he concludes, in today's modernistic, materialistic world, it is more important than ever to stand strong in your beliefs, and I continue to pray that God meets your needs and provides you each with the strength to be the rock and foundation of your families. Yes, uh, he has done that for sure, and I will speak more about that in the um, faith portion of the podcast. Nick, oh, Nick says, post a picture of it on your Facebook and Twitter. Okay, Nick, I will do that. Uh, Jared says, is this about sports or life? It's about both. And Leah is my dog says, who would you compare Rivers to from back in the 90s? Dan says, good morning. Good morning to all. I don't know. Philip Rivers is um, kind of his own cat. You know, he's uh, that side armor. I don't think he grips the ball by the laces. I think that I think I've read that or seen that. Um, so I I really can't compare Philip Rivers to anyone, unless it's in terms of uh, moxie and competitiveness. Well, you said '90s. I can't think. Let me, I may have to think a little bit harder on '90s. <clears throat> I have a comparison, although it's not extremely flattering to Philip Rivers. Um. Because this guy had only like one super great year in the NFL. He was NFL MVP in 1968, maybe 1970. Joe Cap from the Minnesota Vikings. They dusted the brownies in the NFC, NF, I guess it was NFL championship game back in the Purple People Eater days. Joe Cap was a, but, but Joe Cap would run and he was like linebacker, like he was like a linebacker playing football, but he threw the ball like it very rarely spiraled. Okay. Sonny Jurgensen, maybe? Man, I'm old. Um, who in the 90s? Wow. I don't know in the 90s. Can't answer that. Stump me. I'll, I'll try to come up with something later and, uh, and post it on the uh, Spielman Hooley Facebook page. Okay. So now, what else is out there? Oh, Buckeye football. Buckeye football, and we have our NFL decisions in. And honestly... I am stunned by Chris Olave's decision to come back. I am very surprised by Jeremy Ruckert's decision to come back. I don't think Jeremy Ruckert is going to further his draft stock one iota next year, nor do I think Chris Olave is. Now, listen, hear me. It's great to have them back. They will make Ohio State a better team. Uh, and it's their choice, and if they love college and they're not ready for the real world and they 
think that they might, you know, not enjoy going to the NFL right now, then they made a great decision for themselves. I'm just saying I have one standard on these evaluations. Is the kid ready to get drafted as high as he'll ever get drafted? Is the risk of coming back to what can happen to your draft stock or to your physical health worth coming back over taking the money right now? In Rucker and Alave's case, my answer, not theirs, my answer is definitely no. Ruckert has already shown amazing catch skills, blocking skills. Do I think Ohio State's going to feature Jeremy Ruckert next season to the point where his numbers skyrocket and it appreciably changes the NFL's evaluation of him? I don't know how many balls Jeremy Ruckert caught. I'm going to guess, let's say 20, 25. If he catches 50 balls next year, he's really not going to show the NFL anything else. What, is he going to show him he can catch? He's already shown him he can catch. He's going to show him he can block? He's already shown him he can block. So Jeremy Ruckert, to me, was probably a second, third, fourth round pick. Somebody may love him, take him in the second. He may be a guy who, because there's a lot of, you know, Kyle Pitts is going to be the first tight end taken out of Florida, no doubt about that. But if you want a tight end, Jeremy Ruckert's, a big-time tight end. He's going to play 10 years in the NFL. Same is true of Chris Olave. I know there's this uh, thought out there because, you know, we are prisoners of the recent. <clears throat> well, look at Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith came back to Alabama. A lot of people think he didn't think he was going to come back to Alabama. And Devontae Smith blew up into the Heisman Trophy winner, and he's probably going to be a top-10 pick in the NFL draft. And that's what Chris Olave can do. Here's the reason why I don't think Chris Olave can do that. Devontae Smith was never the featured wide receiver at Alabama until the middle of this past season. I know he caught the winning touchdown pass in the national title game against Georgia when he was a freshman, but Jerry Judy was on that field. Um, Who's the other guy they had? Super fat. Henry Ruggs was on that field, and Jalen Waddell was on that field. And Jalen Waddell was on the field this year until he broke his ankle against Tennessee. And Jalen Waddell at the start of the year was the higher, uh, higher placed, higher thought of wide receiver than Devontae Smith. So Devontae Smith was never the featured receiver at Alabama. That's not true of Chris Olave. He's been the featured receiver at Ohio State for at least this past year and probably the year before. So he's his numbers aren't going to be appreciably higher. Okay. He could get injured. That's always a chance. He's already proven he can make great catches. He's not going to get appreciably faster. And here's the issue that he has, and here's the issue that Ohio State will have. Um, I can't imagine how Brian Hartline is going to keep <laughs> his wide receiver room happy, everybody happy. When you're a five-star, you want to come in and you want to play and you want to get your numbers and you want to get out. Okay, so Ohio State brought in this amazing wide receiver class last year. Mookie Cooper, G. Scott, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming. Fleming and uh, and Jigba got some time. Mookie Cooper didn't. He's transferred to Missouri. Uh, G. Scott didn't really. I assume he's still here. I don't know. Now you have, coming into Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. You have Emeka Egbuka and Jaden Ballard from Maslin, Washington. Go Tigers. That's a lot of wide receivers with a first-year starting quarterback. 
either Jack Miller or uh, C.J. Stroud. Or Kyle McCord, but a true freshman's not going to start a quarterback for Ohio State. <clears throat> now, let's mark that down because I'll be proven wrong. But there's just no way to keep all those guys happy. It's not possible. Um, and that is a concern I know of people on the staff at Ohio State because I've had people who talk to them on a regular basis tell me that. That Alave's return caught them off guard. Caught the NFL off guard. Not talking to a Spielman brother, but I was talking to somebody else who's in a high up in an NFL front office. And they were like, Alave can't help himself. Can't really help himself. He's he's already a first-round pick. When you're a first-round pick, you should go because you're not ready when you think you're ready. You're ready when they say you're ready. And he's and they're ready. Chris Alave and Jeremy Ruckert are ready. Now, Tommy Togiai, probably smart decision for him. Uh, he's down there in the trenches. I always want the kids to go get the money. What if he blows out a knee next year? Tyreek Smith's coming back. I think he probably should have come back. Agree with that one. He can he can definitely help himself. Ah, who else? Uh, Fields is gone, of course. No doubt about that. So I do think Alave's return and Ruckert's return is a nice security blanket for whoever the new quarterback is. I think that it is possible that Ohio State can win the national championship with this team next year. I would not have said that had Alave and Rucker not come back. So in terms of gain for the program overall, yes. But I was looking at it in terms of an individual situation, and I, I just don't think. I mean, all these guys, the thing you have to remember is all these guys, all these guys come to Ohio State as a training ground for the NFL. Every single one. So when you get to the point where you're ready to go, you know, I say go. I say, not them, their decision, fine. I'm not knocking their decision. I'm I'm analyzing their decision. For instance, if you were going to school to be a doctor and you got all the way through, you know, your book learning, your med school and whatever, and now you were ready to step out and run your practice, does anybody say, no, I like it in college. I'm going to stay here. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. So same thing with any other discipline. You're an engineer. Hey, Procter & Gamble wants you. No, no, I like it here. I'm staying. Now, I get it. There's all other kinds of things. Maybe they want to win a national championship and they think they can, but that's just my view of it, analyzation-wise. Uh, Leah says, can OSU use Olave like Alabama used Devontae Smith? Yeah, they can. Um not sure a first-year quarterback is going to be capable of doing the things that Mac Jones did. And Olave doesn't have that electric speed that he can just run away from people. He just does not. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, he's uh, Leah says, uh, Alabama used that circle motion sprint out of the backfield. Smith just gone, can't be covered. Right, but that's not Chris Olave. He can't run away from people like that. Just can't, uh, which is no you know, no disrespect to Chris Olave. There are very few people who are as fast as Devontae Smith. So that's my take on Buckeye football. All right, before the faith portion of the podcast, and I've got to speed this up here because I have an 11 o'clock interview uh, for my radio show on 98.9 The Answer, I wanted to uh, remind you that if you own a business, I would just say congrats, first of all. You've turned the page from 2020 to 2021. I, I had a guy on my show yesterday, John Barker, Ohio Restaurant Association president. I I hurt for the restaurants in Ohio. 3,000 restaurants in the state of Ohio have closed since the pandemic. 3,000. 
Think of the number of people who had jobs eliminated by that, okay? So a business's margins, that's the difference between their costs and their income, you know, their gross income, which means their margins equal their profit. It's never been more difficult. You got to put up plexiglass. You can only have a certain capacity of people. You got to be closed by 10. So any dollar you can save as a business owner is important. AUIinfo.com can help you save money on the benefits you provide for your employees. You have to provide benefits because that's how you attract great employees. Vision, dental, health, disability. And you probably have more questions now than you've ever had on HR issues. What if you have an employee who has got a comorbidity and they can't get the vaccine, so they don't want to come to work right now, or they want you to put in place certain rules that apply to other employees, and those employees don't want to take the vaccine or they're not, they have a different view of COVID. So you've got compliance issues to navigate through there. You make a mistake on HR, now you've exposed everything you own to a lawsuit. So AUIinfo.com helps business owners find the right benefits. They shepherd you through all the state compliance issues free. The HR help from AUI Info, they have an HR specialist, so it's not like they're just winging it on that. But they have HR benefits that go with their partnership with you as a business owner. So I know it's a a big behemoth. It's a Kofi Coburn problem to switch. But AUI does all the research and just presents you with the decision. So they make it easy. AUIinfo.com, AUIinfo.com. And here's the thing, because not a lot of, you know, the lion's share of the people listening to this podcast don't own businesses, so you feel like this is irrelevant. But a lot of you are are lone wolves, okay? I, I like the Clay Travis line, I'm not a business man, I'm a business man. <laughs> if you're a business man, you're a plumber, you're a consultant, you're a lawyer, you're a whatever, and you, you're your own little entity, the government looks at you differently. They don't look at you as a single person. They look at you as a group of one, a business of one. And you can change your health insurance and benefits and all that stuff any time of year. There's no open enrollment for you. AUIinfo.com, lay that knowledge on me, and they'll lay it on you, and they'll help you get through any situation that comes up. All right, faith portion of the podcast. Today's January 20th, right? Inauguration day in Washington. Um, I'm not political on this podcast as much as I, certainly as much as I am on my show on 98.9 The Answer, but it's impossible to really talk about anything in our society today without uh, the tinge of politics impacting it. The Biden administration is going to take a much different view of many things than the Trump administration. They're going to undo many things of the Trump administration. One of the agenda, top agenda items, front burner items for the Biden administration, they have said, is approving, passing via executive order or through um, congressional action, something called the Equality Act. Who could be against the Equality Act? Everybody's for equality. Part of the Equality Act includes making it illegal for public schools to prohibit boys from playing girls' sports if the boy identifies as a girl. So he's a transgender, he's a transgender girl. Okay. Transgender means he was born a boy. He has the boy genetics, the boy testosterone, and all that stuff, which is more bigger, broader shoulders, narrower hips, more quickness, more all that stuff. Now it's illegal. That happens. That's happened in some states. I think in Texas, it's happened where a boy, a tra- a boy born a boy, has wrestled 
against the girls. The girls have no chance. And in Connecticut, uh, there have been, I'm sure you've seen stories probably of girls who used to be elite-level state athletes. Now they've lost a bunch of state championships in track and field to kids who were born boys but now say they're girls. Okay. I'm not for that. Okay. I'm not for that agenda item of the Biden administration. It's easy as Christians to speak in ways about transgenderism, homosexuality, abortion, all those things, and I've been very guilty of this, that are not loving, not understanding. I want to make it clear that no behavior apart from God's design for your life is worse than any other behavior apart from uh, God's design for your life. And those who are uh, trapped in certain lifestyles that are not pleasing to God, and the Bible says it, I'm not giving you, uh, you know, Bruce's opinion, I'm giving you the Bible's opinion. Those who are trapped are less, in my view, um, responsible for that than someone like me who struggles with language or gluttony or gossip or any of those things, because those are not things that I should have as hard a time overcoming. I should be able to overcome those things. So I want to make clear I have empathy for people who are tormented to the point where they have become trapped in those lifestyles. But nevertheless, what happens now if the Biden administration um, advocates for these immoral, displeasing behaviors to God and they make it the law of the land, and then pastors can't preach biblical truth from Romans 1 or any other host of places in the Bible, which makes clear God's design for morality in all human beings. And pastors can no longer do that. It's called hate speech. Or you can no longer do that. Right now, I think you can get banned from Twitter if you post that uh, someone born a boy is a boy, they're not a girl. I think that gets you banned from Twitter. Um, so yet we're always, what's the one set of verses Chris and I always talked about, uh, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. So how do you balance that? How do you balance? And I struggle with this on my show on 98.9 is I want to speak truth, but I want to be doing everything in love. Okay. So. I've been reading, as I told you, Acts, the book of Acts, because that is the story, that is the, it's not story, it's the truth. It's the historical record of the growth of the church after Christ's crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. So I gave you a little lesson from that the other day. I want to I give you another thing that came to me today. I was praying this morning, what do I have, what, what do you have for me, Lord, to give to people on the podcast today? And I wanted it to be something in that area of balancing truth and love. And so I'm reading Acts 2 and Acts 3. Now, in Acts 3, Peter heals a crippled beggar. The apostle Peter heals a crippled beggar. Well, this guy's over 40 years old. The Bible says that. And so everybody in town is like, holy smokes, what happened to Joe? Like, he used to be crippled. Now he's walking. How's that? Wow, he met this uh, Peter and John, these apostles of Jesus. Oh, you mean the guy they crucified? Yeah, mm. So this is a big buzz in the town, right? Uh, so this gets to be like 
talked about by everybody. And the word gets to the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. That's the governing body of the church. These are the guys that like wouldn't listen to Jesus and sent him off to the cross. So they want this whole Jesus thing to go away, right? Well, healing a guy who's crippled, that's not going to make it go away. That makes the tongues wag and people talk and go, hey, you know, really, there is something to that. I ought to look into that. So they call Peter and John before the Sanhedrin, and they basically say, hey, knock this knock this off. Like, no, no more talking about this stuff. No more. And Peter just says in Acts 4, 19, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I am not going to stop speaking about what I have seen and heard. I've not seen a crippled man healed. I've seen God completely transform my outlook on many things. I've seen him bring me through many crises in my life, some of my own creation, others not. I've seen the change he made in Chris. Chris would tell you the same thing. I've seen God totally change people's lives once they came to faith in him. I've seen those things. I've heard those things. I can't be silent about those things. So Peter, while he's uh, talking about this, he understands and he knows and he's told that word of this healing and of his refusal to stop speaking about God has reached Herod and Pontius Pilate. (laughs) And Peter's like, "Mm, I know what happened when those guys got involved the last time. So rather than shut up because, you know, well, that's how I avoid the cross, Peter prayed this in Acts 4.29. And this is the word I have for you, to go with truth and to go with love. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants, that's Peter and John, to speak your word with great boldness. Great boldness. That's the word I have today as a motivation for me and hopefully as a motivation for you. Boldness. Boldness doesn't necessarily mean loudness. Boldness just means rock solid. I know what I believe. I know what I why I believe it. I know what I've seen. I can testify to what has happened in my life, what has happened to other people in their lives. I see the power of God. I know what it can do to change lives. And no law of any king or any president is going to stop me from speaking truth in love with boldness, certainty, assurance, commitment strength. That's my word for you today. Boldness. Be bold. Be bold. So I hope that you've enjoyed the podcast. I hope it's been enlightening. I hope it's been inspiring. I hope it's been encouraging. You guys all encourage me very much. I'm appreciative of your attention and your time. And I would uh, thank you for sending an email. Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, I've not established a forwarding email yet. And if you want to review us on iTunes, that would be appreciated too. Have a great day. For those who uh, are inclined, you can listen to The Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 The Answer from 5 to 7 p.m. via the iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, radio Radio.com app. And hey, we even have our own app. Search it at the App Store and the Google Play Store, 989 FM The Answer, if you'd like to have 
our very own app. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Talk to you again very, very soon.